that certainly didn't go to Gorquad on the left. Amble was so clever, so good. And Murphy is it. What a goal. What a blues. The young and the old together. The ground and there it is. Paulson, McGovern again. Oh, yes. This to give Carlton the lead. They're in front. The Blue Boys. Stopping and dropping. Bits gets in and the table here was Garland. And you can put down the glasses. It's an amigo. It's an amigo that will finish it off. Kick it, Jeffrey. He does. Carlton are on their way to Sydney. G'day Blue Baggers and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. It's your host Jed Zetzer here and I'm here with my co-host Harrison Hymans after what was quite a disappointing day for our mob bolt. Quite a disappointing day? That yeah. was abysmal. It was as bad as it's been. It was, like, it was lifeless and it was arrogant. It was an arrogant performance. There was no respect given to the opposition. There was no, you know, the first half was an absolute joke. There was just no will to get from contest to contest. They weren't working around the ground. It was just, I can't believe it, really. It was lifeless. It was. It was horrible. And there's, I, I can't put it any other way. You know, when you go into a game playing to keep, you know, any chance you've got, you know, alive of progressing in the season, you're coming up against the bottom team, you just got to be switched on. And I tweeted before the game saying, just concentrate, please. And if, you know... If we play the way we want to play, you know, we're most likely going to win. And we didn't. And it was just pathetic. Yeah, it's just, it's, it was one of those, I guess. And that, I think, we can safely say was our worst performance of season 2020. Yeah, it was horrible. And let's be honest, it wasn't too dissimilar to what we saw dished up in the first 40% of last week's game against Sydney. Yeah, and, and you know what? Call me crazy. Obviously, I wanted us to win in that second half, but when we started coming back, you know what was going through my head? Paper over cracks. Bang, bang. I was thinking, if we win this game, what good does that do the club? It's, it's paper over... It's just false. What, what, it's what a does, false sense of direction. The club will go away thinking, gee, like, wow, we've, had, we've just had a massive comeback. Like That's huge. You know what? Nah, nah. You don't deserve it. We didn't deserve to win today. And that is the fourth time we've conceded the first five goals of the match this year. It's ridiculous. It's 17, I think we're now 17 from 27 games in David Teague's reign where the opposition's gotten on a five-plus goal run consecutively. And that, that for me, and you know what? I'm going to wait till we get our guest on. Should we bring him in now? Yeah, we'll bring him in. Let's bring him in. Well, it's time now to bring in our guest for the week. He's a digital content coordinator at Croc Media. Trade Radio, the Women's AFL, and he's a writer for the AFL record, Nick Negropontis, a blue bagger. Welcome to the show. With yeah, thanks for having me. I guess I'm I'm bad luck. Our two worst performances of the year, probably today and the St Kilda game, and that's me. <laughs> well, I was gonna, <laughs> that's why I said we've had you on before and we've got you on today. And yes, I think I think you may be a little bit of a, a bad luck charm, but no, we. No, in all seriousness, Nick, thank you for coming on. We've, we've already ruled you out for a grand final edition if that ever comes about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please do. If Carl never makes a grand final, I'll be locked in my room for the whole week. <laughs> Have your phone in aeroplane mode. Uh, uh, in all seriousness, Nick, talk to us about that performance today. Initial thoughts and, I mean, where do we go to now? Does that, does that send us back a fair way? Uh, I've been trying to work this out. I mean... The game ended in our time about half an hour ago, 20 minutes ago, and I'm, I'm trying to keep a level head about it because, as I said, the security game was probably our worst game of the year to this point. We're used to having uh, months of, of seasons with 100-point losses and 80-point losses and games where we get belted, and we haven't had that this year. And we've thought, finally, okay, well, at least we know that the Carlton Football Club isn't going to get belted today. We know that it's going to be competitive. We have a percentage near 100. It's going to be a tight contest no matter what. And the last two weeks, we've just come out and conceded the first seven or eight goals to teams who are in the bottom four, a team who hadn't won a game in 13 weeks this week. And it's just hard to know how to process that, you know? Like, is that because of coaching? Is it complacency? Is it selection? I have a lot of issues with selection in recent weeks, but 
it's hard to know what to pinpoint, really. Yeah, and, I, and I'm really glad you brought up selection because that's what I want to touch on. I personally thought we got the team selection horribly wrong this week. Uh, I know you tweeted, you know, picking Lockie O'Brien over Cottrell. And for mine, that's something that I really want to touch on because in the first half, the way Harrison and I described our performance was as lifeless. I think there was no hunger, there was no intent, no desperation. And those three things are something that Matt Cottrell brings to the table. He brings hunger, he brings the desperation. He, I mean, I know he's had a pretty dirty week last week, but... He, he brings that, and, and I feel like that holds our leaders accountable. If they're seeing a guy in his sixth game go as hard as he can for the footy, that holds the rest of the team accountable. And I think this week, you know, we displayed no hunger for the ball, there was no intent, and they've brought in Lockie O'Brien, who's probably had an even poorer game than Cottrell did last Carlson week. Carlson gave off practice game vibes today. Yep. It, that's what yep. it was. That's, that's, it was bruise-free. It was just it was insipid. So I think they've got that Cottrell for O'Brien selection wrong, personally. I mean, we all wanted to see O'Brien. We all needed to see O'Brien. Uh, it doesn't look like he's come a fair way, which is a little bit disappointing. But, I don't know, we may see him next week and he may do a little bit more. But then you're playing Doherty, who was clearly... Oh, we've got to speak. We've actually got to speak about this Doherty. Yeah. We've, this, this is an absolute joke. This is a bloke coming off not even the two-knee reconstructions... For his calf to be bad enough for him to go and have scans during the week, and then to play a game five days later, four games in fourteen days for him. Are, are they serious? Like I was when you told me yesterday, when Jed told me yesterday that Doherty was going to be named, I couldn't. I was going around the whole week under the impression Doherty wasn't going to play, just because I thought even mm. if there's nothing wrong with it, there's no way. Like come on, like him as a captain, you know, team selection. Where are the medical? Go- like just common sense had to prevail there. It's. I mean, we have spent more money than any club in the comp on our medical and you know uh, physical performance team, and we've played five games in fourteen days. We days we've rested two players, Betts and Gibbons. Are they the only two players we rested? I know we rested Pitney, but he yep. was dropped. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've rested two players for for this stretch. You look at what teams like Collingwood and. Um, teams like West Coast have done in this in these similar stretches where they've rested nine or ten players over the course of four or five weeks in order to keep players fresh. Whereas we haven't. We've sort of just said, well, we're just going to pick out our, our, our best team. And sure, I mean, if, if that works, it works. But clearly it didn't because we were flat last week. We were flat this week. I totally agree. I don't know who deserves more of the blame, whether it's, uh, what's his name, Director of High Performance, uh, uh, Russell, Andrew Russell, whether, yeah. Whether it's Russell, whether it's Teague, whether it's Doherty himself, like that's who who gave the final tick of approval for him to play because it was done immediately. It's not like he got through three quarters. It was very clearly apparent that he was not able to play this week. Yeah, and I just don't get it. And you're totally right with the cultural O'Brien thing as well. I would Lockie O'Brien have gone back with the pack and taken that contested mark last week? No. That's the no, simple no, answer. No, yeah. And Cottrell, I mean, yeah, he had a poor game last week. And yeah, his disposal sometimes isn't great. But he covers the ground. He gets in the right spots. He's always where he needs to be at, at a stoppage. O'Brien, I didn't realise he was playing until Dwayne Russell mentioned it in the second quarter is that he was one of the inclusions. I, I just didn't didn't realise he was playing. And he's, he's just a non-factor. So I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. I don't understand this... Um, insistence of having three key forwards because it's not working. We have as many inside fifties as as our opponents, and we can't we can't score. At half time, it was well, what was it? It was fifty three to nine, and we were down in the inside fifties by only five. So we were getting the ball inside fifty, but they had kicks to, to contest. And unless unless it's a kick to Harry McKay's advantage, and he was brilliant today, unless unless it's a kick to his advantage, it's just going to be a turnover. And we put no pressure on a ground level. The ball comes back out. And honestly, I, I don't know what they're expecting. There's no rhyme or, or reason to, to anything we do. I can't even remember the last time we took a mark on the lead. Was it Levi last week? Mm, our, that, like, mm, our leading yeah. patterns are a serious concern. And, and I think today, when they threw Cripps down forward, 
Cripps was actually leading in the right spots, but then our other forwards we, we were following on, we, him. We need Cripps around the ball. No, we do, yeah, but we, I'm uh, saying when they threw him forward to give him a rest, I'm assuming that's what yeah. they were doing, he's leading into these great spots. He's leading better than our full forwards are, but the whole issue is everyone follows him, and then it just floods the area. He should be telling them to lead in other directions so he gets free run of the ball. That's what I don't understand. I mean, if you're going to... I think it's been like this for over two months... We haven't had great presence ahead of the footy for a while. Probably mm. not since the opening six weeks of the year, really. Where we've actually, no. you know, aerially, we've actually had an aerial presence ahead of the ball. We just haven't. Um, not since the Port Adelaide game, I Yeah, think. Exa- and, and that's where it dropped off in that third quarter yeah, of the that, Port Adelaide game. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, that North Melbourne game, it, it's... I mean, I, I'm not going to give North credit for, for figuring us out, but that was... From that game onwards, you just look at all of the results and try to work out how we kicked our goals. And aside from the Gold Coast game, where we were playing a team that was completely flat yeah. and was coming off an incredibly short break, we've we've just been butchering the ball forward or, or just turning it over. Like, I, I, I couldn't agree that. more. And even you know the Freo game, we were barely convincing. The Sydney game, we were barely convincing, and we won both of those just in fluke circumstances. Let's be honest. GWS and Collingwood, we collapsed. Like, we had, you know, after halftime and three-quarter time in those games, respectively, collapsed. So, I think a result like this, where where it was just like a, one big reality check that hit us in the face, has been coming. Yep. It, it ha- it's been coming, because they haven't been... I know they've been getting results, which is fabulous, because, you know, in years gone by, they haven't been getting results. But a, re- a, a result like this was honestly... has been building up. Yeah, it has. It has. It has. And I mean, we're going into next week against Brisbane. It's our last match of the year. There's now a lot of question marks surrounding certain players and if they're going to be there next year. Uh, There's a lot of question marks around Matt Kennedy because he's out of contract. And we've been publicly linked to Jack Graham, who's a pretty similar molded player. So I want to speak to you about this, Nick. Jack Graham, Mark Stevens says we've offered him four years. If we do end up landing him, are Kennedy's papers stamped? Um, I think Kennedy's papers are probably already stamped. I mean, we saw how decent he was when he came back into the team in that pure on-baller role. Then in the Fremantle game, for, for no explained reason, they played him at centre-half forward and then dropped him and we haven't seen him since. I've long heard that back in the Bolton era that Bolden had just simply decided, no, we can't play Cripps and Kennedy in the same team. Like, that was just a rule at that point. He takes over, and we've seen it a couple of times, but, like, not not enough to say that they've changed their mind on that. And clearly now, they just think that Setterfield is a better player. They're not exactly the same, but they're both sort of that slow inside inside mid who, mid, it's who cover the ground, don't use the ball particularly well. Kerno is still playing well, and you can't, you can't drop him for Kennedy, I don't think. So I, don't, I think regardless of, of Graham, and I think getting Graham is just going to create the same problem. Graham covers the ground much better than Kennedy, and he's got a bit more pace, but he's the same He's the same style of player. He's a contested inside midfielder who doesn't use the ball particularly well, would prefer to handle to someone on the outside. I don't think he's the right mould of player that we should be targeting. If you look at the game today, you throw in Jack Graham in there and you replace whoever our fourth or fifth mid- midfielder was, if you replace Nunes or if you replace even O'Brien, really, I don't think the result changes at all. Like, I don't think we're necessarily a better team. I don't think he's someone who we should be throwing the farm at. If you want to, if you want to target an inside midfielder, sure, but either aim higher or, or target players with different skill sets to players that we already have because he's honestly just Crips light. That's, which is exactly what Kennedy is. So I don't see I don't see any good reason to target something where we're already pretty stacked yeah. in the inside midfielder um, category. Yeah. So that so I completely agree. I'm 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 slightly confused why we'd be going after him because, as you mentioned, when Kennedy played in the midfield this year, he was pretty good. I I had no issues with his performances. In particular, I think his first game and his third game were brilliant. So I'm not too sure why we're going after someone. Even even if Graham is better than Kennedy, Kennedy wasn't you know dropped because he wasn't playing well. It was just because of team structure. So 
that's that's what confuses me, which is what you've just said. So it's very. The other thing, sorry, sorry to cut you off. The other thing that hits me there is Teague, who keeps saying something like, "Oh, we need more from our midfield. We need more from our midfielders. We need better ball use from our midfielders." You know who the two best midfield ball users in our team are? Petrovsky, Seaton, and Zach Fisher, and they haven't been playing midfield at any stage this year. Like, mm. do, do they not see it? It sometimes baffles you how you can sometimes notice things and you just wonder, are they noticing the same things? And they obviously are, and there's obviously reasons behind these you know, decisions that they make because they know more than we do and they obviously are making the best decisions that they can. But you do have to wonder, you know, what is what is going on with our midfield? Because when it's on, it's on and it's hard to stop. But today... Today it was just exposed, oh, really. It smashed out of the middle. But we were playing the team that was ranked 16th in clearances, 18th in inside 50s, 10th for disposal efficiency, and 18th for disposals. And we got smashed in all of those categories in the first half. Yep. And it didn't get much better after that. And we got but, smashed by a team with a pretty slow midfield themselves, the Crouch Boys, Sloan and Keys. Like, let's, yeah. you know, yeah, it was just, it was just really hard to watch. Um, the other one, Mitch McGovern. So when we come back to team selection, mm. he's had and I and I'm unapologetic. You're, you're a big Mitch a, McGovern fan. I know fan. he's hurting me. I am a McGovern fan, and he's really hurting me at the moment because his last three weeks have been nothing short of putrid. As in, a lot of people were shocked that he held his spot in the team after a pretty meaningless fortnight in the team, and really, he did. Did he? He didn't do much to justify. Well, my question the is, who do we bring in for him? Well, are we are we replacing him with a like for like, or are we just changing the structure of the forward line? I think, as Nick said, you got to change the structure. The, the three forwards just isn't working. The three big men aren't I'm, working. I don't. I'd be inclined to bring in Honey. Yeah, yeah. I'd be inclined to bring Owies back. I'd, I'd probably. But the, but the, the thing is, like, they're not solutions like, for a game no, no, that no, we need. Not... But we needed to win today, and they're not oh, solutions to winning. Like, no, they're not. They're not. But but if I mean now we're going into the last round, we're not. We're, I know. We've got nothing to gain, really. Would you not rather see one of the younger guys, bit of experience for them? Probably would. Or maybe they'll. I don't think there's any. Re- I don't think you can pick Mitch McGovern this week. They can't. He's, they can't. He had he had one possession at halftime. He had zero possession at halftime last week. As we've, we've been talking about, our, our ball use inside fifty has been horrendous. But he just doesn't get involved in the game, and his one possession was a perfect opportunity to get it on the scoreboard and he kicks it into the man on the oh, God. On, the, mm. on, on the forward 50 and the ball goes down the other end. It's like, well, it's just so frustrating because whenever Harry had space, he got, he was just crushing Jordan Butts, which he should. Yeah. Harry McKay should crush Jordan Butts. Mitch McGovern should be better than Kyle Hardigan and he didn't even have the Hardigan matchup too, too often. It was Caswell who was going to him. So he had the third key defender on the 18th team in the competition who are already missing their two primary key defenders in Matisse and Talia. And he had, for the game, eight disposals and three marks and a, a junk-time goal. So it's frustrating because I'm a big defender of McGovern's first half of the year before the injury. I thought he was good. Same. He was getting up the ground. He was using the ball well back into the midfield. He was creating space for the guys behind him. But it's just gone. <laughs> he, can't, he can't be picked next week. And it goes back to that question i mean are they gifting games because we we called brendan bolton out on it we said he's gifting games to guys like dow and o'brien and all these youngsters at the time that's been rectified by teague there's no there's no gifting of games under david teague but you've got to, you've got to beg the question if mcgovern can last a month in the team with that type of form then that is just a joke well that's what i'm saying so if mcgovern doesn't get dropped then well is that precedent being thrown out the window it's not helping the cause. No. And, I mean, you could argue O'Brien's hand of the game today. I mean, his form in the practice matches has been, has been okay at best. And that's generous from, from the people I've been speaking to regarding the practice matches. Yeah, they don't really have many wings in the practice matches because it's 12 on 12 or 14 on 14. But he hasn't had uh, impact to warrant selection, I don't think, in any of the practice games this year from the people I've spoken to. So... Yeah, the fact I've, that he was picked today was honestly just a, well, we have to see what this guy looks like at AFL level because he was picked 10 in a draft, you know? I think that's the only reason he was picked over Cottrell this week was his draft number. And, and that is the only reason, and let's, I don't want to sound nasty or anything, but that is, the only, that is the only reason why he's semi-rated. Yeah. Like, really? I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard the same as you, Nick, and I 
what I've heard is that he was pretty filthy. He hasn't been like that. He hasn't been playing and hasn't been picked. And especially last week, he thought he should have been brought in. They didn't bring him in, and they've yeah. gone and given him a game this week. All right, that's fine. That's fine. But don't come into the team and dish up that garbage. Like I'm, garbage. And, and I'm not trying to be rude here or you know disrespectful because in all honesty, I'm quite a fan of Lockie O'Brien because I think he's got two real assets in his disposal and his run. I think, you know, he's a really good runner, endurance runner, and he's brilliant with ball in hand uh, when he's comfortable. I mean, we saw when he would, you know, get more comfortable at the level last year, his kicking started to become an asset. But if I'm going by what I saw today, I'm pretty filthy with him, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just not sure there's much to go with there. And I mean, he's obviously going to be there next year, but if he doesn't take a massive leap forward in his development in what will be his fourth year in the system, you've got to start asking the question, well, have we just, have we bottled that pick? I mean, I've got the 2017 draft here in front of me. There is every possibility that Paddy Dow and Lockie O'Brien are the two worst players selected in the top 20. <laughs> every possibility. I know you could argue Matthew Ling hasn't come on at Sydney yet. I still rate him. Will Power's starting to get there for the Gold Coast. Starting I like Will Power. Tell you what, I'll take I'll Powell. take Will Power's effort and his output any day Absolutely. of the week. The only player in the top twenty who was taking the twenty seventeen draft, you could say, yeah, I, I would take O'Brien comfortably over them. Is his old mate Kebab Callum Coleman Jones? Everyone else, <laughs> everyone else, you would probably take them. Even even Aiden Bonner gives you effort as a as a half half back defender. The, the fact that we took Paddy Dow in the next. Next six picks in the draft were Davies Uniac, Chera, Stevenson, Hunter Clark, Nick Caulfield, Aaron Norton. Like oh, that hurts. That that so, hurts. That hurts. And Sauce isn't there to answer these questions because he's at, he got out a year earlier than than what was um, the time to start questioning these moves. And there are a ton of other moves too. Giving up pick twenty eight for Matt Kennedy. How's that? How's that looking at the moment? You know. Um, turning the Gibbs trade into essentially Tom DeConning and that's it. That's that's all we got. And we fleeced Adelaide in that deal. And they're going to win the deal despite the fact that the player that they gave up two first-round picks for is, has just retired after playing two seasons in the in the sample. Like, there's some serious questions that need to be asked of Sauce and he's not there to answer them anymore. I mean, I know it probably wasn't his decision to move on, but still, the, the, the drafting... And the, the trade failures as well. Like, Are they becoming exposed now? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, yeah. The, now, now with another year under our belts, we can see that... I mean, I'm not going to give up on Paddy Dow just yet, but Dow and O'Brien, they're having nowhere near the impact of anyone else in the top 10 of that draft. No. Um, it's just so frustrating. That was the key draft. Walsh was a slam dunk. You know, Weedering was a slam dunk. Well, that Weedering draft... That Weedering draft when we've landed Weedering, Kerno, Mackay, Cunningham, and Silvani. That's you know that's we've aced it in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Aces. If you turn and um, and and in between we've got Petrovsky seed in the pick six, which let's be honest, st- still pretty speculative at the moment. I reckon he had a couple of chances, even just to lay tackles, and just just didn't want the contact. And that's that's what worries me. He's not a small defender. He's clearly a non-baller. And I, I think the club has just wasted an entire year in the guise of trying to improve the defensive aspects of a brilliant attacking player. And it, it just frustrates me. We've seen this with other clubs. We saw Brayshaw spend some time down back for Melbourne before they put him into the midfield. We saw Andy McGrath. I mean, Essendon fans were going nuts. They were saying, get McGrath in the middle. And Petrovsky seaton I'm not saying he's a, as good of a player as Brayshaw or McGrath, but do you think they could be going off the same type of development path? The, the difference there was McGrath and Brayshaw started their careers in the back line and then yeah. moved into the midfield, whereas Petrovsky Seaton started in the midfield, showed all these signs, and now has been pulled into the back line. I think that's the difference, is if yeah, you're going to do fair. it, start there. Not, don't let him build up all these reps in the midfield. Have that brilliant game against Western Bulldogs last year in like his 40th game where he was the dominant player on the ground through the midfield. And now we've wasted a year of him getting those on-ball uh, rep, reps with Cripps and Kerno. He should be the number three guy in there, not not Setterfield. Setterfield should be number four. And honestly, Fisher should be number five, not uh, not Murphy. Like, 
it's just these little things that really frustrate me with with how how they they they're picking the best team to win but they're not picking players in their best positions they're still thinking with a oh well if we land a Ollie Wines or a Stephen Canilio we're not going to have room in our midfield for Petrovsky Seaton and Zach Fisher so they've got to learn to play elsewhere no just pick the players to win you know i'm not i'm not going to say they've wasted the year for Petrovsky Seaton but i think they've definitely well, they haven't enhanced I was going to say, I think they've they've almost he's 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 plateaued, he's stagnated. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't gone. Well, let's be any... honest, he's never really taken off in a big sense. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. you know, I've never you know walked away from a game at the football. I know I've, ne- I've I've never walked away from a year at the football thinking, oh yeah, <laughs> you know about Petrescu Seaton, you know. Not this year, at least. Yeah, definitely not this. But he's had games, you know, that game on the Gold Coast a couple of years ago and that Footscray game last year where I thought, oh, that was just unbelievable. And even last week, he was awesome. And then it's it's two steps forward, three steps back. That's the issue. Yeah, that's a fair call. Should we rate the coach? Oh, yeah, you, you can if you want. <laughs> I'll Jeez. go first here. I'll go first. I'm going to give it... Oh, don't reckon I've ever done this. I'm going to give it a two. I don't think I've ever gone lower than that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I think oh. I think the, the performance... It, it starts with Doherty. That's where the whole performance of everyone starts mm. with Doherty playing. Yeah, so I'm giving him a two. I think the performance speaks for itself. Nick, how are you rating Teague today? Oh, I mean, anything above a two is generous, honestly. I'll, 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 I'll stick with your two as well, honestly. Nothing was changed from last week, despite the fact that we gave up seven goals to a team that was 16th on the ladder. It was the exact same kind of performance. We got blown out in the first half by an Adelaide team that has been one of the worst teams of the last 50 years. And then we didn't adjust anything in the second half. The players just woke up. So I'm not giving Teague any credit for that either. So, yeah, I'll say it too. Well... I'm not even going to give him a number because it's just... I don't, I don't even know, but selection was questionable. I, why does it take him so long to flick the switch? Why does it take us so long just to get it together? It really annoys me because I was thinking even when we're you know, semi-coming back at the end, like, why couldn't they have done that 40 minutes earlier? Oh, like, why many does times it, have we said that too? Like, why does it take him till they get eight goals down to so just think, oh, now we've got to start going? Mm. It's just so annoying. And I think the fact that, you know, Mackay, who's been in really good contested marking form... I was... think H is actually having a really good month. Yeah, or... he's had a good patch. And he and he finally converted into goals today. And the fact that we knew either Mackay or Casbolt was going to attract a second gamer in Jordan Butts, isolate whoever had that match up and get the ball on their heads, out the back, closer to goal. No, not these shallow inside 50, you know, entries. The entries early on... When before Adelaide really got on, you know, a scoring run in the first quarter, I think we would have had four of the first five inside fifties, and they were, like, you may as well have had me kicking it in. Mm. Like, you, like, it was just ridiculous, and you know, and I love Setterfield, but Setterfield had a couple of shockers early going in. You know, how about in the second quarter? You know, when we were streaming forward as one, when Murphy kicked it in the middle of two of them going forward, it was just moments like that. The entry was horrible, so. I don't know. It was just the whole day was a mess, really. Yeah, this, mean, this, I've been fearing this fixture for a while. I have. I, I've been yeah, you fearing. Call, you I've called been it when, fearing the, this when game. the fixture came out. <laughs> oh goodness me! I would love to see what Harry Mackay looks like in a team like Collingwood or a team like. I mean, not that we're going to trade, but my, yeah. my point is like in a team that can kick the ball inside fifty. Like, oh. imagine him in, in on 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 the Bulldogs. You know, like everyone's saying, "Oh, Aaron Norton's got." Harry McHale, Charlie Kerner covered. No, he's got Jack McRae and Marcus Bond and Pelly kicking him the ball. And Caleb Daniel. Look. Yeah. Like, well, Harry McHale's got to deal with Mark Murphy running into the corridor, having two players free and kicking a torque between them. Like, what do you want him to do? The, the times we actually kick the ball to his advantage, he takes the mark. It's, it's just infinitely frustrating. And again, as I say until I'm blue in the face, if you were going to pick two players in this Carlton Best 22... To kick the ball inside 50, you'd take Petrovsky Seaton and you'd take Zach Fisher. And they're completely out of position to do so at this point. So, yeah. It's it's disappointing. It really is. And, it, and it's just hard to watch at times, I guess. 
Should we rate the players? Yeah. Yep. So, Nick, do you want to kick us off with your top three? Yeah. Okay. So, I thought the clear top three uh, for me, let me know if you, if you disagree. I thought Wiedering was as good as he has been all year. Uh, he, he's the one player you get four quarters of effort from every week, no matter what. Um, he does his job. Uh, Harry, obviously, well, it's not his fault he had. He could have kicked seven or eight today if we'd been on from the first quarter. And exactly the same, exactly the same reason, Sam Walsh. He just does it every week. He shows up, he gets his touches, he uses the ball well, he covers the ground, and he sets the standard that everyone else should honestly start following. I was going to put Cripps in there, but his his first half matched the team's first half. And it wasn't until he got back into the game that everyone else lifted. So I feel like it's just indicative of where the Blues are at. I think those other three uh, deserve more mention. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair, and it's and it's. I, I I'd probably agree with you. I do want to give a little mention to Michael Gibbons because his second half I thought was outstanding, and he came out in that third quarter and took the game under his wing and just tried to sort of pull the team across the line. And yeah, for mine, I thought Gibbons had a really good second half. But yeah, I mean, Weedering and McKay are clearly the best two on the ground for us today, and. Yeah, I'm going to throw Sam Walsh in there. One player who I do want to talk about. Maybe I'll wait, though, till we do our bottom three. Yeah, well, I thought well, Mackay was good. Weedering was good. I I was going to have Walsh in there, but just another name to potentially... I thought Nunes was okay. I thought I, th- I thought Nunes was okay, but... He was one of the few players who wanted to take the game on and go through the corridor, yeah. But, yeah, otherwise, yeah, not much was happening. Can we talk about Cripps' goal just quickly? Oh, just get like, one positive oh, out of the game? That was unbelievable. That gets the juices flowing. It really does. <laughs> oh, how good he's is that? He's been trying to kick that goal all year, too. Like, he's had those chances to kick it on the run, weaving it out. I'm glad he finally got it, though. Let's, let's not forget that he missed one from 35 out directly in front a minute earlier, too. Like, yeah. If that doesn't sum up his year... Uh, yeah. Now, bottom three, do you want to kick us off, Nick? We'll let, we'll let, we'll let you take on this <laughs> monumentous task. Uh, I mean, jeez, where do you start? I mean, Lockie O'Brien has to be in there. I think he was non-existent until the dying minutes of the fourth quarter. Who else was there? McGovern had no impact at all. Um, he probably has to be in there. And my boy Lockie Plowman got carved up by Darcy Borgie mm. today, so I think he probably deserves to be in there as well yeah. after player destroyed Tom Papley last week and I mean Fogarty's a different kind of player he's a much stronger physical player who is probably more a key forward and not a great matchup for Plowman but he got his butt kicked in that matchup yeah and yeah I've also been a major fan of uh, Lockie Plowman this year but I do have to agree he you know he didn't have the best day I'm going to also include this so I'm not going to include him in the bottom three because he wasn't but I was really disappointed with Ed Kerno's performance. I just thought that was probably the one game this year where he didn't play his role. Yeah, he he wasn't great. I think there's an obvious one. I think Eddie Betts has to be in there. Well, yeah, Eddie's Eddie's in there. Eddie's in there. Yeah. And, and and here's my question, Nick: Can Eddie go on? I mean, take the love affair aside. Can he go on? In all seriousness. He gets the contract if we don't land a small forward in the trade period, whether it's Papley, whether it's a more strategic target like a Luke Bruce or someone like that. His status for 2020 completely depends on that, I think. If, if we don't have an obvious small forward replacement, I would prefer him to be on the list just in case. Like someone like Philip or someone like Honey doesn't take that next step and doesn't take that spot off him. But... Yeah, I think it's totally dependent on that. And if not, I would still prefer love the club to keep him around in some kind of um, you know development role for the forwards. But yeah, I think it's totally dependent on if we find a replacement for his spot because it's not like we're we've got small forwards throwing their hand up for selection at this point anyway. Yes, he's at, he's been poor, and his impact on games is limited to score involvements and and touches and tackles that impact impact the flow. But, yeah, I think if, if we land Papley or if we go after someone else and we land a small forward, I think I think that's it for Eddie, unfortunately. No, and that's a, that's a fair enough assessment. He just hasn't done enough bets. It's, it's really frustrating. 
But I think, you know, O'Brien is 100%. I'm, they know. We, I didn't think Williamson was great. That's the other one I was yeah, going to see, touch Williamson's on. Yeah, see, Williamson's had a pretty Williamson average day as well. Uh, he, wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't have had many touches. How many did he have? Uh, they just Seven. Looked, yeah. Seven. Okay, yeah. So he hasn't had a great day. I know he's not, you know, an accumulator, but I didn't notice much of him, to be honest at all. Someone I want to talk about, you've just tapped on him, Bolt. Yeah. Literally. On the app, yeah. I was going to meet David Cunningham. Yeah. So I texted you at, I think, half time or quarter time, just saying, I, this is just really disappointing. You know, this is a bit of a crossroads for him. He does look much better when we do get him playing purely on the ball. He looked okay in the last quarter, Cunningham. Yeah. Coming out, but. As a forward or as a high half forward, he just doesn't do nearly enough, David Cunningham. It's really fr- I just think I'm not sure I don't even know if it's I just don't I just don't think he's good enough. Like, you know, he's been given this big three year contract that's gonna take him into his what, how many years on the list? Like seven years on the list or something like that. As in for me yeah. as in for me that's just I'd like his agent to be managing my life. You know, if <laughs> if, he, if he's gonna get deals like that because I don't know. He's the output. The output's just not good enough. I'm not saying he's a dud. It's just the output isn't. You know, no, vind- it's, it's not justified. But I feel like Cunningham's one of those players who's going to be a lot better when the whole team is up. Like his best games this year came for us in wins, yes. and his worst yeah. and his worst games for us have come in our most disappointing team performances. Yeah. The fr- the frustrating thing for me with Cunningham was his best game was the Geelong was the Geelong game or the Essendon, Essendon game? Essendon. The Essendon game where he, he was our third on ball. He had something like twenty one centre bounce attendances. Since that game, you can count the amount of centre bounce attendances he's had on your fingers. Like yeah. he was best on ground as an on baller against an, a good Essendon midfield. And since then they've gone, Oh yeah, we'll just throw him back forward again. I don't understand it, was, it. I don't understand it either. Like he keeps complaining about the on-ball mix and and certain issues with the midfield, and then he trots out Cripps, Kerno, Setterfield, and then rotates Murphy and Martin in there for for three or four times a game. Sam Walsh finally is starting to get some reps in there, and he's looked good in there. It's taken them it's taken them sixteen weeks to get Sam Walsh on ball. They used Cunningham there once, and he dominated. They used Jack Martin there once properly in the Geelong game, and he dominated. And they've just gone back away from it. To me, that's the issue. Get your best ball users on ball. Get Patrick Cripps and Ed Turner, the right players to feed handballs out to so they can get the ball forward instead of these hack kicks out of nowhere from, from Centerfield, who's not a great ball user. Kerno is not a great ball user. Cripps is always under so much pressure whenever he gets the ball in the middle. Get these players on ball and let them, let them go to work instead of hiding them on the half-forward flank where they're not natural forwards and they don't get the ball. It's... It, I mean, to me, it's it sounds simple, but I I would love to know what their thinking is there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's because I think you're. I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm getting Cunningham right in there because the one time we've seen him, he was so damaging. So yeah, especially when the game is on the line too. But get get offensive players in there. Yeah, get players who can do some damage. Yeah, honestly, the one thing I probably I would acknowledge is that Setterfield's ball use has improved significantly this year. I think. Going inside 50, it still has some a fair way to go. But I think around the ground, he uses it quite well, creates a bit of space, hits targets. But, I mean, if you're going inside 50, who would you prefer, you know, to have the ball? Would it be a Fisher, Petrovsky, Seaton or Cunningham? Or would it be a Kerno, Setterfield? Oh, I wouldn't want Kerno kicking it to me. Um, well, that's... that's, that's I, I like Setterfield. No, I do as yeah. well. I'm so, I think he's a good... I, I, think, I think he's actually a good ball user. I just think that he can butcher it sometimes, whereas if you have someone like SPS or Fisher in there, they're not going to butcher it as much, which is, I think, the point Nick is trying to make, which I certainly agree with. Yeah, yeah, I just think they're two similar players. Kerno and Setterfield are very similar style players. They're also not very explosive, not very quick. So I just think you need a different mix in there. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, changes for next week. Nick, if if you're the coach... One last game for the year, one last hurrah. You know, it's a dead rubber now for us, unfortunately. What tra- What changes are you going to be making? Well, obviously, Doherty comes out. There's no sure as hell I'm risking him um, again. Yeah. Um, he has to come out. O'Brien has to come out. McGovern has to come out. Those are three changes without any any real thought. 
I would love to see Philp get another game. I would love to see Honey get another game. And honestly, I'd probably love to see Kennedy get another game. I think those three players have consistently put their hand up and consistently performed. I would go smaller inside 50. Uh, you can With Kennedy in the team, you can throw Crips forward more. You can throw Kennedy forward. You can, you can fl- fling them around uh, back and forth and have no overlap between them in the midfield. I wouldn't bother with, with uh, Jack Martin or risk, no. risk injury to anyone who's under a cloud. If, I, w- I would definitely play Eddie Betts simply because if it, if it is his last game, you would, you would want him to have that last chance out there. But yeah, those are probably the three changes I would make. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. What are yeah. you going with, Bolt? Yeah, O'Brien. I don't reckon they'll drop it. I don't mind O'Brien. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, I want to. I, just I, wanna, I, I just think I know what you're going to say. Is there much to gain by dropping exactly, him? Exactly. You get what I exactly. mean? Exactly. You may as well see him once more. Yeah, I, so I'm not sure. As in, look, look, and I agree with you, Nick. That performance, you know, justifies an omission. I'm not disagreeing with that. It's just, I'm not sure if it's in anyone's best interest, really. McGovern has to be dropped. There's no two ways about that. I'd bring in Honey for McGovern, personally. Yeah. The other one was... Oh, well, Doherty goes out. Yeah. Um, so that's the interesting one with Doherty. I, I'd, I'd also bring in Matt Kennedy. You know, Cottrell's going to be close, maybe. See, yeah. I'm looking at our list. I just want to go back to that discussion about contracts. I just wouldn't be delisting Matt Kennedy. I just think there's so much worse on our list than it's Matt Kennedy. It's such a tough one. It's, if Matt Kennedy gets delisted, he's he's undoubtedly going to get picked up somewhere else. Yeah. Without, without oh, even a thought. If we delist him and Essendon don't pick him up, then they're, they're kidding themselves. Yeah. That is exactly um, where he'd go. But it, I guess it depends on list size as well. If you look at our list, Callum Moore, he goes probably... I guess yeah. maybe Owies would be stiff, but he probably goes ahead. Um, Finbar O'Dwyer probably goes. Who else is there? Paulson. Darcy Lang. Paulson, Lang, McCready. Lang's already packed his bags. McCready, he's gone. So there's there's seven or eight players there who would be well above Kennedy in the, the cutting line. Depends on whether Betts goes on again. There's another one. Simpson is another one. Who knows whether he goes on. So I think there's a lot of players there who would probably be ahead of of Kennedy. I think he I think he gets a new contract, even if it's a one year deal. Mm, yeah, I'd like to hope so. I really would. Now my team my team changes for next week. I'm definitely taking McGovern out, taking Doherty out, and I'm bringing in Cottrell. I think you need him you need his you know what you need with Cottrell? You just need his energy. He brings his energy and the standard that he sets in terms of hunger and desperation is important for the rest of the team, and it's that he just sets a good tone for the team, brings a serious energy, so I'd be bringing Cottrell in, and I i mean, we know I'm a massive fan of Josh Honey, I'd be bringing him in, I want to see him, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Owies as well again, because I think that Owies is more of a pure small forward than Honey is, I think Honey can play medium as well, so it's interesting, I'd love to see both, but you're not going to play both, um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting going into next week, I think next week, is the biggest unknown around team selection that we've oh, had all yeah. year. You could get one change, you could get 12. You just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They might play McCready. Well, I mean, if Doherty's, well. if Doherty's not playing... Yeah. I mean, I would. Might see Finbar. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah. No, you can come have a sleepover at mine and we'll watch him together. <laughs> That'll be interesting. It'll be a fun Saturday night. So this, this is the thing, though. Get the glass of red and watch Finbar together. <laughs> this is the thing, though, because who is the replacement for Doherty? It's probably Paulson, isn't it? O'Shea. Is not, not exciting. <laughs> O'Shea or Mullet? <laughs> yeah, God. Um, yeah. Oh. Are we bringing back Daisy Thomas? Yeah, oh. I wish. But um, I was kind of against dropping Paulson in the first place, to be honest. Um, so I don't mind, you know, Paulson having another run at it. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. But, in, you know, in Brisbane, aren't a massive team ahead of the ball. So, I can handle Paulson playing. I can handle that. Um, yeah, someone I really want to see is Caleb Marchbank, but we're not going to see no. him because he's no. injured again. Yeah. And, you know, he's won... You just want to see him out on the park, don't you? It's so frustrating, isn't it? I mean, Leon Cameron himself 
said that of all the players GWS have lost, Marchbank is the one that frustrates him the most. And they've lost... I mean, we all know the players GWS have lost. Like, mm. star midfielders of the comp. And it's Caleb Marchbank that keeps Leon Cameron up at night. So we, we need to see this, you know? It's yeah. Just, just frustrating that another year has gone by with, with this extremely talented guy um, not in the team. And he would have had the Darcy Fogarty matchup today. He's that third key uh, defender that the team is missing and is forcing Plowman to play on players who are too strong for him or too big for him. And that throws our whole balance off. Yep, yep, absolutely. Now, Nick, just before we let you go, we want to talk about Matty Cruiser and Bryce Gibbs. Yes. Some favourite memories from their career that you can remember. Oof. And there's a lot to pick from. Um, yeah, it's hard. Honestly, um, I'm, I have horrible memory, so I'll, I'll put that out there first up. I, I'm always, I always wonder what the 2011 semi-final would have looked like if Gibbs mm. doesn't hurt his shoulder in that Essendon game, kicking that goal. I feel like we win that game if he's healthy because we lost by a goal. Yeah, I mean, as a 20, 24-year-old Carlton fan, like we've grown up in that era of knowing nothing but it teams and Gibbs and Cruiser are two guys who have always provided levity in that, you know, they've always, they've always been in our best six or seven players. They've always given their all. Gibbs has always been a top five best and fairest guy. Whenever Cruiser's out there, you know what you're going to get for him from him. And in, in a team where we've had, god-awful sides that have been wooden spoon teams um, over these years. We've had, what, five or six of them. You always knew the Cruiser and Gibbs were going to give their all and try their ass off. He, hell, even after Gibbs requested a trade, he came back to the club and had a, probably his second or third best yeah. year of his career. Like, I've got nothing but, but good words to say about both of those men, and I honestly hope that they find fulfillment in their, their lives post-footy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You've said it very well there. They're both just they're both Carlton men who've given so much of their time to the club and yeah, I I'm it's it's very sad. Does anyone else feel do you it's guys the end feel of that? An era. It, it is, it's the end of an era, but I feel really I feel an overwhelming sadness when you are departing with two guys who were well, just, just such big parts you know, of our it, team. And we're all around the same age. It's just, you know, we we, we, we haven't really watched Carlton. Oh, without yeah, them. only a few years. But, you know, we all kind of grew up going through, like, school with the three number one draft picks. And yep, for two yep. of them to go out on the same day is crazy to think about it. And I agree. In terms of, you know, the way Bryce Gibbs responded after being denied a trade, I think that just literally enhanced his Carlton legacy so much, like, exponentially. Like, the way... His 2017 year was unbelievable. Yeah. And it's the, and it's the same way Tim Kelly left Geelong. You know, the respect they would have, you know gotten from within the club, you know, responding like that is just incredible. And I think, you know, Bryce Gibbs was an awesome player. I I remember in the um during the lockdown there were a lot of, you know, polls. I think the Carlton Cheer Squad would even make, you know, Twitter po- you know, Twitter surveys and one of the question that would always come up was who was the Carlton player you never felt got the most appreciation? And the one I'd always write was Bryce Gibbs, just because he was a bit of a whipping boy at Carlton. There were yep. there were, you know, a a group of fans that just never saw it with Gibbs. And Gibbs was awesome. As in Gibbs' 2014 season, when he was a genuine goal kicker from the middle, was, I think he was in the All-Australian 40 that year, was scary. Like, Gibbs was an awesome, awesome footballer. Eight of his 11 Carlson years, he finished top five in the best and fairest. Yeah. Like, he was a star at the Blues. As in, he was such a good player. So, I'm sad to see him go. But, in Cruiser as well, you know... We only really got to see Cruiser have a complete season once, and that was 2017 when he was in the All Australian 40 as well. So mm. it's there's more, you know, what ifs of Cruiser, but you know they they're good Carlton people. They definitely are. They definitely are. Nick, thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast. It's been great to have you on, and definitely we'll definitely speak to you in the future. But hopefully, 
you yep. come on after a win. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to come on in the off-season when there's no chance of us losing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do a draft episode and get you on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that way there's literally no way that I can cause a, a result like this again. Yeah, so, and, and I... Thanks, thanks for having me on, boys. And I want you to come on for the AFLW, but I'm sh- I'm yes. a bit worried that you know oh, no, yeah. <laughs> let's let's wait on for that a little bit. And yeah. no, no, they're a good team. They're they're a good competent team. They don't do stupid things like this. So I think they they're okay from jinxes. Okay, okay. So we're definitely going to get you on then. Uh, cheers, Nick. We will speak to you soon. Cheers for coming yep. on. Thanks, boys. Nick Negropontis, there, a blue bagger doing brilliant things in the radio world. It, Croc Media, Bolt, yep. he's done very well. And, yeah, I mean, we love his opinion because he's realistic. And, I mean, yep. you would have heard that, Blue Baggers. That's as honest and as raw as you're going to get. He's as passionate as you'll find a Blue Bagger. And he's he wants the best for the team. So don't go away there thinking he's, you know, negative or, you know, he's being realistic. I, yeah, think, exactly. I think everything he said was had valid points to it and had merit. So, yeah, I really, really actually As I like to say, respect his opinion. There's a, there's a difference between pessimism and being realistic in a negative era. Correct. Bolt, we're going to end it there. Amazing careers, Bryce Gibson, Matthew Cruiser, and feel honoured and privileged that we, we had them at our club and we got to watch them. Fantastic players. And, yep, it's the end of an era, but it means it's the beginning of a new era. And... Yep. There's some players who are going to need to step up if we're going to make it in this era. So going to be very interesting to see how everything unfolds within the next 12 months. But there's still one more match for the year. Yep. Are we any chance? Unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it is unlikely. It would be tough. It would be tough. But one thing we know, they'll go out there believing they can win. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of players who weren't in the team this way. I, I think there'll be a lot of changes. Yeah, it'll be... In- he, may, I, he, might, I, he might put a couple of players I, on ice. Yeah, and I think they'll rest quite a few. Maybe the captain. Yeah, uh, I think they'll rest quite a few. So I'm looking forward to next week. Perhaps an opportunity to see some of our players on the outs, on the outers of the club and some of our younger guys as well. So yeah. very interesting team changes are going to be. Bolt, another week. No good, but... Well, it wasn't any good, but keep your scarves on. Keep your head process. Keep your head up. Part of the process. Trust the process, I think yep. we should say. Trust the process. And, yeah, I think we were in good hands at Teague and the club and just got to believe that we are going in the right direction because it's easy to get sucked into the result today and turn ultra-negative. But if you look at the bigger picture, we're going in the right direction. There's been a lot of players who have developed well this year. And going forward, I think we can see the growth. Yep. We just still can't break that seven-win barrier. Haven't broken it in seven mm. years. Well, it's the third time we've got in there. Well, hopefully next year we do. Blue Baggers, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Blues Footy Podcast. Be sure to listen back. We spoke to our backline coach, Dale Amos, and we also did a mid-season list analysis review, so make sure you listen into those two episodes if you haven't yet. Blue Baggers, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back next week for another edition of the Blues Against the famous old dark moon